This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions, www.vtwproductions.com. Hi, this is Will Wheaton from Radio Free Burrito, and you are listening to Versus the World Radio. I am Gnomewise. I am Gonora. I am Iolite. I am Daxa. I am Grail. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You. And I'm Versus You. I am Versus You. And I'm Versus You. Casually Hardcore. Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT, only on vtwproductions.com. Hey, I've just been introduced. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that guy. Uh, it's nice to see that no one was raptured and you were all able to make it. Um, uh, and I can't believe that... Uh, how many people think that this is the Nimoy Room panel? No? I can't believe you all are here. This is fantastic. Uh, so, uh, on Battlestar Galactica, we had uh, the most amazing caterers. The, the guys were unbelievable. And I remember one day standing in line, and it was Hogan, and then uh, Donnelly Rhodes, who plays Doc Coddle. Can you all hear me? Yeah? Okay, good. Because uh, I can't hear myself. I'm still drunk. Uh, and, and then me, and then Tomo, and the rest of them. And you go to the truck, and you get your, your hot stuff, and then you go, and there's like a, a, like a salad table and some, some hot pans and stuff. And Hogan opens up one of the pans, and it's this incredible bean dish. It's just beautiful. And uh, one, of the, one of the caterer girls um, is uh, Indian, and she makes the most amazing Indian dishes, and this was this Indian bean dish. Hogan's ladling it onto his thing, and he's like, oh, this is fragging good stuff. And, and Donnelly Rhodes kind of looks around him, and he goes, oh, mm-hmm. Hogan looks back and goes, hey, that looks pretty good, doesn't it? He goes, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Donnelly, you want some of that? You know, I would, but at my age, I just can't trust my farts. <laughs> I just, I fell down on the ground, and I rolled around, screaming with laughter. Tomo just stood there. What did he say? What did he just say? What did he just say? Did that really just happen? Yeah, no, that really just happened. At my age, you can't trust your farts. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Huh. So I got a question for everybody here. Uh, what the hell was Starbuck? Anybody? No? Yeah? Maybe? Sure? I don't... What the... God. Huh? She should have just stayed dead. She's an angel. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ron Moore, you can take your God. And, well, I don't... Um, but what a great ending, though, hey? How else are you going to end a show? We were filming the middle of season four when we land on the... How many people haven't seen the show? You know what? I was just about to say this is the first room ever where no one put up their hands and I didn't have to call security. 
and then call him a fracking idiot because it's been off the air for three years and it's called DVDs, dum-dum. Um, but there's that guy. Well, guess what? I'm a Cylon. People die. <laughs> Starbuck dies, but then comes back. And the baby's not mine. Um, so, I'm really, I'm, I'm screwing around with this mic. It's kind of fun. I feel like Patton Oswald up here, but a taller, fatter Patton Oswald. Um, Patton's a good buddy of mine. Um, and he'll like that joke. Uh, so, um, we're filming. So, we're, we land on the burned out planet. It's all crapped out. And it's right before the writer's strike. And it's the last day of filming before we go on this hiatus that is to be the writer's, that was the writer's strike. And had the show, had the writer's strike gone for any period of time longer than it did, maybe a couple more weeks, the show would not have returned. So Battlestar Galactica would have ended with us landing on the burned out planet and going, of course it's burned out. Of course we can't stay here. Oh, and of course the Cylons are coming to blow us up again. Uh, and I remember standing there and I looked over at James Callis and said, James, you realize that if the writer's strike goes and goes, this is the last episode of Battlestar. Like, oh, Aaron, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, it would have been the worst ending to a TV show since, I don't know, Sopranos? <laughs> Happy Days, yeah. Stargate Universe? Well, you know, isn't it better that that show just ended? No? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that one. That's okay, they're not making any more of those. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I love all three Star Wars movies. Uh, some people ask me that, so it's uh, important that I get that out there. All three of them, in case you didn't get it the first time. <laughs> this is kind of fun. I basically talk about whatever I want and then just do this. <laughs> Anybody have questions for me? Yeah, go. Why am I not in the Nimoy panel? I don't know. <laughs> How did I lose so much weight? <laughs> did you watch the show in reverse order? Season one? Oh, I was like a buck 85 in season one. Oh, well, halfway through season one. Halfway through season one, I got circumcised, so there's a couple ounces, but other than that, um, no, it was, uh, no, I was like, yeah, that, that orange suit was, I was popping buttons by season three. That's what happens when you're an actor and you get a job. All right. Here we go. Uh, no, it's, um, yeah, my, my friend, one of my buddies, he's a jackass. Um, He's a, a big, big, famous country guy, Brad Paisley. He torments me relentlessly about Fat Chief. And he went as far as to take one of my action figures in the plastic and everything. And he's got, and it's Fat Chief. He kind of exploded me out. And he says, now with season three weight gain. And he's got this whole thing. And instead of a med kit, it was a turkey. And instead of a gun, it was like a bottle of Jack or something. I'm like, You're a jackass. Uh, no, see, season, yeah, I, I went out. What happened in season, uh, 
between, in between season one and season two, I lost my wife to breast cancer. So I kind of went into a spiral of crawling into a bottle for a little while, because I was a little sad. And, uh, and, then af- and then halfway through, right at the beginning of season three, I was in a, playing in a hockey tournament. I'm a goalie, and I tore my groin. I completely blew everything up. And I was literally on the couch for 14 months. Just couldn't do anything. So it was just like eating and snacking and watching TV and going to set. And I would be on set with my crutches like this. And they'd go, okay, sound speed, rolling, okay, and uh, take Aaron's crutches away. And some PA would come over and take over my crutches. And I would stand there on one leg. And then I'd go, get that cracking bird in the tube. And then I'd cut, give Aaron his crutches back. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of episodes where I don't actually sit down. And if I do, it's sort of like only left cheek only. Because uh, I couldn't put any white on this side or anything. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, oh, God, it was the worst. And if this wasn't a PG-13 show, I got really even better stories about that. But we'll keep those for, we'll keep those for the bar. Um, yeah, no. So then I was just, I, yeah, I was a balloon animal. That just somebody goes, sk, 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 sk. Uh, yeah. And I'm still trying to get it back, but oh, it's hard. Man, you get close to 40, and then somebody just flips a switch, and your metabolism goes, and everything. I'm drinking water, and I'm putting on weight. I mean, water doesn't have any calories. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, it's a struggle. And then uh, my, I have a son. He's 15. Yeah, he's a beanpole. He's size 14 shoes. He's 6'1", 160 pounds. I put my hand up to his, and my fingers come up to the first knuckle. He's freak. He's Gandalf. He's freakish. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like from the Shire when I'm around him. He's finally at that age now where he can kick my ass. I mean, I, I, was, I still can't beat up my own dad, so I don't know. Yeah, he's a, he's a funny kid. He, was, uh, he lives with his mom north of Edmonton, which is about a two-hour plane ride from Vancouver. And he comes to visit to me, and, uh, and I remember he was, he, we were shooting Battlestar. It was probably like season, season two or something like that, and he hadn't been watching it. He was, he was, uh, this is when he was nine years old. He hadn't been watching the show. Because it's a lot of, the, you know, who shows that to a nine-year-old? No hands? Good. <laughs> Good parenting. Um, except for that guy. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, he finally, and, and I had been a waiter before Battlestar, so going to work with Dad was sitting watching me bring pizzas to people. And that's just not really cool. It's kind of interesting for a bit, because he gets his own pizza and, and some soda. And, and then it's like, oh, Dad's, oh, Dad's doing that. Oh, God. And he gets really bored. So... One time, his mom shows him Battlestar Galactica. He's like, okay, come on. Oh, there's your dad. Oh, he shouldn't be hitting that girl. Uh, and just sort of fast forwarding, <laughs> sort of like watching the show on fast forward. And, um, and so he comes to visit me and he says, hey, I, uh, um, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, I got to go to work. So you can either stay home uh, or you can, whatever. can I come with you? Yeah. Really? Oh, well, okay then. Let's, let's go to work. And uh, he says, you, you're working on that ship, right? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing, it's Battlestar, we'll go. Okay, cool. So can I, can I see this stuff? Sure. So I take him to set. We've got like five huge stages, like the size of the hall out there. And I take him in through the CIC and I take him through the, the pilot's quarters and all of that stuff. And finally, and I leave the hangar deck for last. And we walk around the corner in the hangar deck. And right there in the middle of the room is a Viper. And he goes, oh. I said, that's pretty cool, huh, buddy? I said, yeah. 
I said, you want to you go check it out? Can I? I said, yeah, absolutely. So he walks over and he's like, okay. I said, you can touch it if you want. Really? Wow. So he's kind of touching. I said, you want to get in? No way. Dad. I said, yeah, you want to get in? Here, I'll get the stairs. I wheel over the stairs and I put them up. I said, go, pop up. So he's climbing up the stairs. He gets about halfway up and he stops and he looks over and he goes, can we? Uh... And I had this look of incredulity on my face, I'm sure, because I was like, can we what? Can we take it for a ride? <laughs> and I went, what do, you, what do you mean, take it for a ride? Well, can we, can we, can we fly? Can we? I said, I, I, oh, uh, uh, Taylor, they don't, they don't actually fly. It's just a... Uh, and so I'm thinking, how do you explain special effects to a nine-year-old? I, it's, it's like a cartoon. And they just say, no, 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 Dad, I've seen the show. Mom showed me the show. It flies. I'm going, no. <laughs> Taylor, it doesn't fly. I tell you, it doesn't fly. No, 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 Dad, they fly. I've seen the show, and now he's starting to get mad. I said, well, I know I get that, but it's like the guys do it in computers, and then they put it in the thing, and he's like, no, I've seen it. She flies them. And he points past me, and I turn around and I look, and there's Katie Sackhoff in her flight suit with her helmet walking along going, oh. And, and she says, what? I said, Taylor, I want you to take him for a spin. And she had that look on her face that I was feeling inside when he said, can we, uh? And I said, you know, he wants you to, he wants to take it for a flight. He's seen the show. He knows you fly them. And she went, oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> so by now, Taylor's just pissed off. And he gets up and he gets into the thing. And it's just like lights and some stick-ons and, and somebody's, you know, bottled water and some old sides. And, and, uh, and, and well, uh, oh, and then he's just mad. <laughs> Gets up, storms down. She's crying because she's laughing so hard. And he storms out and walks all the way to my trailer. Stupid dad with his stupid... And I'm following him, buddy, I'm killing myself. Other crew members are walking by going, what just happened? I go, he wants to go for a dad. I'll tell you later. He goes up the stairs in my room, slams my trailer door. I leave him alone for like half an hour. I'm telling everybody outside what just happened. They're screaming with laughter. About an hour, like... Hey, buddy, you okay? He's in there with his video games. Give me one, two, 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 two. Are you all right? You all right, pal? He goes, yeah. You just going to stay in here? Yeah. That was it. He's like God of War for the rest of the day or something. I don't know what it was. But he was mad. Oh. He, uh, his mother and I were never together. We were just, we were theater friends that had too many, um, Coors like talking can and cap events one night. And, uh, I never won anything except for a child. Um, they don't put that on the label. Uh, there's not an app for that. Uh, so, so he says, uh, he says, I dropped him off one time, sent him home on the plane, and uh, he must have been like five or six years old. And he gets in, I, I say, tell your mom to call me when you land. Okay, so a couple hours later, I get a phone call, and it's his mom, and she's crying like uncontrollably sobbing. She can't even get words out. So I thought she was crying. I'm like, what's going on? Is everything okay? I'm thinking, oh my God, the plane's crashed. Something's happened to Taylor. What's going on? Are you, is he okay? Is everything okay? She's like, oh my God, I, I just, I, I got pulled over on the side of the road. I said, what happened? She said, well, I was, finally calms down. She says, well, you got in the car and I said, you have fun at your dad's? And she and I, she, we live far apart. So he's never seen us together at this point, except for when he was an infant. So he's no recollection that or no connection that we ever appeared in the same spot so he says she said did you have fun go, oh I had so much fun we did this and when we did this and we were so much fun. mom my dad is so much fun you'd really like him 
And then there's this pause. And he says, my dad's so much fun, you'd really like him. Mom, have you met my dad? And she said, I almost drove into oncoming traffic. I started laughing so hard. She had to pull over and stop. She said, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Have you met my dad? And then, so of course, she's like, I'm going to hand him the phone. You're going to have the talk. <laughs> no, I'm not. Indeed, I'm not. You put on that video and fast forward. Yeah. Wow. He's a funny, funny, funny little man. Not so little anymore, but yeah. <laughs> there you go. If, Kids say the strangest things. Yeah, go sorry. ahead. Sorry. Um, if anybody else has any questions, could you please come over here to the microphone? <laughs> I guess it did. Don't make me tell more stories about my kid. <laughs> what else has he done? He's funny. He's a funny guy. There was that one. Something else that he did that was really hilarious. It'll come to me. I'm sure Green Shirt's got something. Uh-oh. Uh, is it appropriate to ask him boxers or briefs? <laughs> The answer is neither. Well, thank you. All right. So, big fan, obviously. Um, watching the show, I found that you expressed your character's feelings through and through the lack of, like, facial hair and hair. Like, when you went a little crazy, everything was shaved, and you were, like, freaking out. I was wondering if that was, if that was like, your idea for the character or if somebody came up. I was like, you know, you'd look more crazy if you shaved your head. Never ask an actor to shave his head <laughs> or her head. Uh, no, that was my idea. I, I pitched that to Ron. I said, you know, I really like where this is going and I like the sort of breakdown here. Um, how about we do something where the chief is just sort of working out, working out, shaves his head, and uh, they were going to put... The, the scene from the previous episode at the beginning of the schedule and then the scene, the next scene that you see me at the end of the schedule of the next. So there would be like three weeks, there'd be this three week gap that I could have off and I was just gonna like super diet and try and lose 20 pounds to just sort of, you know, give myself the mechanic look. Um, and uh, they thought that was a great idea but the schedule screwed up so I had to shoot it the next day but I just shaved my head. Yeah, that was my idea. And the, uh, the big beard and the big hair, that was just lazy. <laughs> we're on hiatus, and I know we're coming back, and I don't need to audition or anything, so I'm just going to grow this out. And, uh, and then I showed up at the read-through at the beginning of everything, and uh, Ron Moore looked at me. He goes, oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> and uh, Harvey Friend, of, of one of the producers, said, you know, I, I think you should keep that. I said, well, yeah, I'm going to see if, they, they, if there's some way to use it. And it was perfect because it was the one year later. Yes, we skip ahead a year at one point in the show, too. Um, and we don't explain why. And I have a child. Or don't I? Um, so, yeah, that, that was my idea. And the, the beard and the, the giant hair and, and uh, the glasses and all that stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. What's the uh, funniest or, or most interesting thing that's happened to you since you started working sci-fi? The funniest or most interesting thing that's happened to me since I started working in sci-fi? <laughs> that. Right there. That is the most rainbow flag 
phone ring I've ever heard in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, that guy. Holy moly. Uh, January, three years ago maybe? I'm walking down the street uh, from my agent's office, my manager's office in Los Angeles. I'm walking down Rodeo Drive, uh, sort of the Rodeo area and Beverly Hills, walking back to the hotel. It's 88 degrees. It's sunny and beautiful. It's January 8th. It was Elvis's birthday, yeah. And um, I'm walking down the street, and there's a foot of snow at home, and it's cold, and it's miserable. And so I pick up my phone, and I'm texting my friends. Hey, everybody. It's sunny and warm in sunny Southern California and sunny sunniness. Take your snow and your cold and shove it. Go frack yourselves. And just blowing up my friends' phones back home. They're going to hit you. Uh, and there's this guy walking towards me. And he gets about 10 feet away. And I don't get starstruck. Uh, hockey goalies, that's about it. But a- actors, I don't care because I know that we're all just jackasses. Um, <laughs> and this gentleman's walking towards me and he gets about 10 feet away and he has a little quizzical look and then he smiles and he nods. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Just some, somebody being nice. And I keep on walking and then I went, oh my God, that was Robin Williams. <laughs> oh man, that just happened. Pull out the phone. And Robin Williams just walked past me. So suck it. Block and a half later, I'm in the middle of the intersection walking across the street, and I feel this little tug on my shoulder. And uh, this happens frequently. People say, people say, I'm sorry, excuse me, are you, were you on Battlestar Galactica? Are you on Battlestar Galactica? And I stopped, and I turned, and I go, actually, yes, I go, guy, Robin Williams. He turned around and chased me down. I go, uh, yes grabs me by the arm, and drags me over to the corner. I love that show. It's my favorite show in the world. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is happening right now? <laughs> so for five minutes, Robin Williams is standing there, and Robin Williams is one of my heroes, like heroes. And he's standing there and he's going, it's so elegant, it's so beautiful. I know, I know I've known Eddie for a long time, and, and blah, 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 and it's just, I love that show. It's, why do they move it from Friday nights? And blah, blah, blah. He's, sort of, like, he's just, he's railing on Sci-Fi Channel. He's talking about how great the show is and this whole thing. And I'm just standing there going, but I'm sorry, I just, Mr. Williams, I am such a big fan. Hey, we're talking about Battlestar Galactica. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I can't break in with Mark and Mindy. Um, he's going off and people are walking by going, holy crap, that's Rob Williams. Who the hell is that guy? I just say, oh, this is unbelievable. So he finally finishes up and he, and he walks away. And I kind of get to the corner and I go, send the bus because I'm ready to go. And I step into traffic. It was, it was incredible. That was, that's one of my coolest, coolest things. And it, it, it holds even further. Um, about a year later, I was, uh, I was visiting my buddy Brad, who had been at, uh, at this celebrity dinner raise fundraiser or something, something. So it's Brad Paisley at the table, um, Rob Williams is at the table, George Lucas is at the table, and a few other people. And uh, Brad turns to Robin and says, I think, I think you, uh, you had a run-in with a, a good friend of mine. And uh, Robin says, oh yeah, who? And he goes, Aaron Douglas. From Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, I met him in Beverly Hills. Nice guy. And he just went off. And then they started talking about the show. You watch the show, I love the show. And blah, 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 blah. And Lucas leans in and goes, uh, yeah, I've heard that's a pretty good show. What do you, is that a good show? So like, you haven't seen Ron Williams, Brad Paisley, turn on George Lucas. You haven't seen Battlestar Galactica? Are you out of your freaking mind? Oh, no, no, I haven't. I've been told it's good. I've been told it's good. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was great. They just lambasted him. Yeah. You invented sci-fi. How do you not watch this? 
And apparently since then he watched it and loves it. So that's very cool. Um, so that's the crazy story for me. Yeah. Oh, and one time we were at, I was at, in Vegas at the MGM Grand and I'm uh, lying poolside with uh, five of my friends. We're there for a stag. <laughs> and um, we might have had something to drink. I'm not sure. Uh, the, um, and one of my friends goes to the bathroom and he comes back. He goes, hey, you know who's playing here tonight? Rob Williams. Oh, you got to be kidding me. He's playing. He's performing tonight. Yeah. He's at the MGM. He's Grand Garden Arena. I go, oh, that's really cool. And someone, one of them says, we should go. Oh, yeah, tickets are sold out. I said, and I thought, all right. <laughs> Let's just see. So I text uh, one of the Battlestar producers, Sharon MacArthur, who can get anything done. And I mean anything done. Uh, she's phenomenal. If you want a midget elephant in a wheelchair missing a trunk, half an hour, she'll have it at your door. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, so I text her and I go, okay, here's your next challenge. Five tickets, six tickets to Robin Williams tonight. Uh, he's at the Grand Garden Arena. We're, we're sitting by the pool. 20 minutes later, they're at Will Call. You gotta be kidding me. So I go up to Will Call and standing there, and, they, and uh, I said, I, uh, There's some tickets here left for me. And the guy's a little snooty. He's like, um, Yeah, okay. Uh, who left them for you? I go, Well, uh, Mr. Williams people would have left them for me. Um, oh, Mr. Williams people, of course, yes, he did. Because I'm in, like, I got a beer and I'm just wearing shorts. And I come in by the pool. I need a shower. Um, I knows people. Don't you know who I think I am? Uh, so he says, uh, he goes, oh, just, okay, well, I'll have a look. Turns and like, punches something in the computer and goes, oh, yes, Mr. Douglas, of course, Mr. Douglas, right away, Mr. Douglas. <laughs> I'm like, waiting for the guy to give me a, I don't know. Uh, so, it, um, so, and then it's one of those things when you actually get to the thing, we, go, we get all gussied up, have a nice dinner, and then we walk in down, and the usher goes, oh, right this way, gentlemen. And we're going and going. Oh, we're going down. Oh, we're still going. Oh, we're passing all of those guys. Oh, and, and you're like third row center. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Ron Williams does remember. And uh, is, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful man. So that's my 20-minute answer to your quick little question. <laughs> And all those people in the Nimoy panel? Yeah. Hey, he doesn't know Robin Williams. Um, was Hellcats your first opportunity to work with David Hewlett? Is David Hewlett on Hellcats? Yes. I, did, I didn't know that. <laughs> he was on two episodes. Oh, well, I was on 15, so... <laughs> and also, are you proud of being on a cheerleading show? I'm very proud of being on a cheerleading show. I had a ball working on that show. I had nothing to do. I had one scene per episode. I'd show up, I'd work for four hours, and I'd go home. It was great. The only thing about that show was um, they shot it on the same lot that we shot Battlestar on. Except for I'd walk through the gates, say hi to the gate guys, which was weird because I hadn't been, been a couple of years since I'd been on that lot. Security guys are still the same. Aaron, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> when I shot Battlestar, I was able to drive on and I could park my car beside my trailer. This one, no, no, you're not that fancy pants anymore. <laughs> park on the street, young man. Walk in the rain. Okay, fine, I'll do that. Uh, of course, the security guys are like, hey, you know we can get you a spot. We know. I go, no, 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 no. Give it to somebody who's there every day. But, so we go through the gate and you turn right to go to the Battlestar sets and left to Hellcats. I'd never worked in those sets. 
So I walk through, and I'm walking, going to Hellcats. Do, 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 do. I turn right, start going up the hill. Security guys, um, uh, yeah, that, that one. Those ones over there. So I had to go down, and then I thought, well, I'm going to go see, I'm going to go see the old Battlestar sets. A little, oh, a little nostalgia. Yeah, no, it's Eureka now. <laughs> the CIC is that stupid cafe in the main street, and that guy's just wrecked my ship. I couldn't bring myself to go see what's in the hangar deck stage. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. It's, uh, and I talked to Will Wheaton about this, too, because he said whenever he goes on the Paramount lot, even now, he automatically starts to go to... And then he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. I, we don't make that show anymore. <clears throat> yeah, you haven't... Will, come on. <laughs> Creature, a habit or what? Yeah, no, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting thing. Uh, David Hewlett, I don't know that I've ever worked, worked with him. I've gone to the bar with him. He is an incredibly nice man. He is just a great, great person. Anybody who's ever met him, you know he's a, he's a very cool guy. Very cool guy. Yes, sir. I was uh, wondering, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, uh, how far in advance did you know that you were going to be a Cylon? That's right. I'm a Cylon. <laughs> Cylons look like me now. Um, we shot that in December, and uh, they officially told us the day of. They had, uh, they had like pages, they didn't include the pages in the script, and then they gave out these super secret pages um, <clears throat> that people photocopy and put all over the internet, so I don't know. Ooh, you're so crafty. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not completely for sure, but... Uh, in September, we were all going over to Michael Reimer's house for like a potluck. We, the cast would usually get together once or twice, well, two or three times a month. Everybody would just descend on one person's house with food and drink. And then you'd sit and listen to James Callis pontificate about solving the world till 5 a.m. Aaron, Aaron, no, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> after seven bottles of wine, James is the smartest man in the world. Um, so we, we go over to Reimer's house, and I got to Reimer's house early. And I'm looking on the counter, I'm going, ooh, Battlestar outlines, cool. We were on episode t 12, and that was like episode 20, right? So there's eight outlines that I have no idea what's going on. The outline is basically the script, but it's then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. So I'm flipping and going, chief, 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 chief. Oh, uh, fixes a plane. <laughs> Not his baby. You know, just kind of going through. <clears throat> and I go, um... And I get to the end one, and it starts talking about music, and the chief, and Anders, and, and I'm, what the hell is this? So I grab it, and I go into the bathroom, looking at reading this thing in the bathroom, and I'm like, what the, oh, come on! <laughs> I mean, the, Reimer's like, are you all right in there? Yeah, no, I'm fine, I just, so good, it's uh, washing up, yeah, flush, flush. Um, <clears throat> but I'm in there for like 15 minutes reading this thing, going, oh, come on, you can't, no! And, uh, and then I'm like, <clears throat> So I go to decide, you know, I'm leaving the bathroom. I'm kind of like a 10-year-old trying to sneak a Playboy into his dad's house or something. <laughs> got it. The sides up my shirt, and they're going to stick it out like this. Aaron, what do you got in your shirt? Uh, oh, nothing. Oh, damn it. You're not supposed to see those. Go, well, don't leave them on the counter when you're having us all over. <laughs> so what did you read? I go, what? all of it? Enough to know. <laughs> well, you can't say anything because you're not supposed to know. I said, well, what do you want me to do? It's three months away before we get to this episode. You can't say anything. Son of a... Ah. 
All right, fine, fine. So for three months, I'm walking around on the set, and I can't tell Truco, I can't tell Hogan, I can't tell anybody. Only I know. And no one knows I know, except for Reimer. But I'd be walking on the set, Ron Moore would walk by, David Icke would walk by. So, uh, anything coming up for the chief? Anything interesting? Nope. Just fixing planes. Liars! <laughs> you liars! Why are you lying to me? And, uh, yeah, I had to sit quietly. So finally, when they finally told us and said, now you can actually know, I grabbed my phone so fast. Ron Moore's office, Meryl speaking. Hey, Ron. Hey, Meryl. It's Aaron Douglas. I want to talk to Ron. Ron's going to be, get him on the phone right now, Meryl. <laughs> so uh, Ron talked to me for about an hour, talked me off the ledge. And uh, I like the way it's turned out now, but I didn't like it at the beginning. But, yeah, they, they were crafty little bastards. They, they... <laughs> Okay, so like over the course of the show, uh, obviously you had a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm kind of curious to know what was your favorite season, or uh, rather, uh, yeah, kind of episode best experience. Crazy yeah. best. I loved the Blackbird, the Flight of the Phoenix episode. I really liked that one. Uh, that was cool because <clears throat> we shot that in order, like time chronological order. Normally you just shoot whatever stage you're in. Doesn't matter what the. Um, yeah. Can you go pee for me, too? That would be great. <laughs> Why do you think I'm standing? <laughs> uh, I was going to ask a question, but now... <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had to go to the bathroom in the middle of a Q&A? <laughs> uh, I really like that episode, and um, there's a scene at the end of Dirty Hands where it's just Mary and myself sitting and having a drink. Uh, it took me that long to realize just how unbelievably talented Mary is uh, just sitting across from her and, and looking at her was just ridiculous. The woman is so talented. She sees right through you, all the way down into your soul. You know, I felt like I was in confession or something that I just needed to start telling her. And then I killed a bird when I was nine. And, and uh, just like, yeah, it was, uh, uh, that was a really special thing. But probably, uh, there's a bunch of sort of like funny happenstances. Um, but I remember my introduction to the show in the, in the pilot, there's that, in the miniseries, there's that scene after we vent and everybody gets blown out and all those people, we're going to derm, we have to put the fire out. So uh, we're in the CIC and I come up to complain about Colonel Ty to, to Eddie and it's the, four, they call it the 40 second scene. All I needed was 40 seconds. And I told that son of a bitch and Eddie goes, he's the XO of this ship, chief. Don't you forget it. Get back to work. So uh, that scene. So we shoot that scene from the master, and Eddie gets right in my face. If we shoot the master, and then we shoot his coverage, and then we go for lunch. And we come back for lunch, and they're going to do my close-ups. And this is the first time I've worked with Eddie. Really one of my first days on the show. First day, really, where I have a lot to say. Um, so the cameras are behind Eddie, and he's got that part where he steps right into my face. And he goes, he's the XO of this ship. Well, at lunch... <laughs> Eddie went out and had a burnt hair, sardine, garlic, cat shit sandwich. <laughs> didn't brush his teeth. Didn't even wash it down with water. Stepped up to me. He's the exo. I used to have 20-20 vision. Now I'm like a 10. Um, I didn't have to shave for weeks. My pores just ran, screaming away from my face. It was like 
bits of his sandwich are flying out. I'm just standing on, I can't even watch it now. I watch that scene and go, what? I said, hurry, get back to work. Like, oh, God. And I'm standing there, and my eyes are burning, everything's burning. The camera guy's going, hee and then uh, and he goes, so go back to work. And so I turn and I walk away. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Oh. And don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. They'll fire you, they'll fire you. And I look back and he goes, welcome to the show. <laughs> and then he went and brushed his teeth. Yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, Eddie. Sweet mother of Eddie. <clears throat> yes, sir. Two questions. Um, hot dog is Eddie's son, right? Bodie, yes. Okay. And uh, the other, I was wondering if you would tell us about, um, did you guys, was there like a boxer on hand to teach you guys all how to box? Like, how did that whole uh, day go down, yes. the boxing match thing? The boxing episode. Who liked the boxing episode? Yeah, that's where Eddie Adlib, chief, get your fat ass in here. <laughs> Another reason I love Eddie. The, uh, there's an episode where we land on the algae planet and Duala goes out with Sergeant Fisher and he gets shot in the head and he dies. The guy that played Sergeant Fisher, his name is Alex Ponovic, one of the best human beings you will ever meet. But he's 6'7", 270, former Canadian heavyweight champ. He's terrifying. The man could beat up a car. Like, he's unbelievable. So he took Eddie and myself for boxing lessons. And he would call out combinations. A jab was a one, and a straight right was a two. So he'd go, Aaron, one, one, two. And Eddie would know that it's jab, jab, right. And he would, you know, sort of move accordingly. So, so we're standing there, and we're boxing, and, and they're rolling, and we're shooting the scenes. And uh, Alex is yelling out, Eddie, one, two, two. So I duck and get out of the way and come back with something. Aaron, one, one, two. All right. Jab, jab, throw a big right. Eddie goes, dodge, dodge, lean in. <laughs> Boom! I snapped his head back, and he kind of had this, what the hell? And I had this, holy shit moment. And he was like this, and then his eyes just turned fiery, Mexican angry dog red. And I just, I went, cut. <laughs> and then for the rest of the day, he and I literally wailed on each other. It was awesome. In the corner, pounding away on him. Come on, hit me, hit me, fatty, hit me. <laughs> and there was one, one scene where, one part of the scene where he, uh, he sucker punches me and I go down, double over, and then he gives me the big boom. And I kept falling down. I thought, on this take, I'm not going to fall down. I'm just going to take it. Chief, Chief wouldn't go down three times in a row. And uh, I don't know if he read my mind or something because he goes, sucker punch, boom, snapped me. Like, hard punch, he punched me. I go, boom, and I go down, I go, what the hell, old man? And then it was on. Then it was on. I got him in the corner. I, boom, 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 boom. I was wailing away on him as hard as I could. He's a tough old bastard, that guy. I'll tell you. Yeah, that was fun. But yeah, don't ever pick a fight with Alex Ponovic. He will literally beat you to death with your own arms. <laughs> the man is fantastic. Uh, the only other time I actually punched somebody was in the scene where uh, Callie wakes the chief up. When he's having his nightmares, he finds him passed out underneath a bird, a ship. Are you going to get the phone now? <clears throat> I love it when people leave because you just make fun of them. <laughs> Why don't you just call it in? We all know you have a phone. <laughs> um, 
So uh, one, yeah, he wakes up and he just starts swinging and he kind of wails away on her. And um, at the yell cut after one take, and uh, she's just up against the wall going, <laughs> oh, Jesus, what, Kelly, Nikki, Nikki, are you okay, are you okay? You hit me. No, I didn't. You hit me. She got this big punch mark on her face. Like, I don't, how did, I didn't, oh, I'm looking at the camera, guys, what? And I go, dude, you hit a girl. What do you, <laughs> I didn't blow it up. So, once again, Nikki, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. But yeah, apparently I smacked her a good one. Yeah, that's the stuff my son's mom fast forwards. Oh, you shouldn't be hitting that girl. <laughs> okay, how jealous or pissed off were you and the rest of the guys on the set over James Callis' scenes with Trisha Helfer in bed? Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Trisha Helfer is the sweetest person talking to her. She's just so sweet. Um, she's lovely. And uh, it's weird, though, because spend that much time with somebody and they're just lovely. I, you, you stop seeing her for just this unbelievable bombshell that she is. She's a very, very intelligent woman. So she sort of became like a sister. I saw her more of a sister, and then it just got creepy, all the thoughts that I have. <laughs> creepy and weird. Um, but yeah, she is just, well, all those girls are just unbelievably lovely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd go Mary first, though. Just to say I did, you know? <laughs> I'd love to smooch Mary. Yes? How do you feel about the prequels they've been making for Battlestar? I didn't see Caprica, because <clears throat> I just haven't had a chance. Um, and I'm very excited to see Blood and Chrome. Uh, Blood and Chrome is, they just finished it a couple months ago. David Icke and Michael Taylor wrote it. And with a hand from uh, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. They're all Battlestar writers. And uh, it takes place during the Cylon War, the first Cylon War, and it basically start, follows the story of young Adama coming out of the flight school. So he's 20-whatever, and he's a brand-new pilot, and it's the middle of the war, and it's battles and fights and battles and fights for the entire show. Uh, I've read the script, and it's phenomenal. So it's going to be very exciting, very, very cool. I have no idea when it's going to air, it is sci-fi, so it could be 2017, it could be 2023, I don't know. <laughs> episode one in 2017, and then episode two in 2023. <clears throat> well, you know, we can really build it up. You lose your audience is what you can do. Um, I'll never work for sci-fi again. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, Blood and Chrome is going to be phenomenal, I think. It'll be very cool. Thanks. What's the most interesting role you never got cast in? Any failed audition stories? <laughs> I'm an actor. Of course I have a failed audition story. <laughs> um, wow. Thank you for bringing up such a painful memory. Um, uh, failed audition stories. I, most recently, I, was, uh, I tested for that new NBC show called Grimm, and it was between me, Anthony Michael Hall, and um, another guy. I don't even know his name. And of course, the other guy got it. <laughs> I thought it was me for sure. I thought for sure, okay, this is so me. It's right up my alley. It's, I, it's right in my wheelhouse, the kind of cop sort of actor guy that I can do. <clears throat> and uh, no, they gave it to the other guy. Um, one time I was really, really devastated. I didn't get a role uh, in that movie, Miracle. 
the, about the, the U.S. winning the gold medal back in at the 80 Olympics. Um, they, I flew, I'm a goalie, and they wanted me to play uh, a forward. And it's like, I'm a goalie, guys, I, I don't even have forward gear. So I went out and I bought forward skates and forward equipment, and I started practicing, and I had like a week to skate like these 22-year-olds who just came out of Minnesota University College Hockey, and they're 6'5 and monsters. And so, uh, but they really wanted me to do this because, you know, these, none of these hockey guys can act. So uh, I told them I'm a goalie. I can, I'll try, but that's it. Um, we auditioned, and then they flew us all down to Ontario, California for, like, on-ice testing. And um, as soon as I stepped on the ice, these guys were... Okay, yeah, no, I'm done here. This is just not even going to happen. There's no way. Uh, yeah, I got my handed to me a couple of times. So um, I said, can I please put one of my goalie pads? I could really play that. Uh, and then I was sad. I was really sad when I didn't get that. But had I gotten that, I wouldn't have been able to do Battlestar. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Always look on the bright side of life. Um, well, I, oh. I love you people. I should have done that in 20 minutes. It would have been the perfect walk-off. Perfect walk-off. Oh, that's so great. Anybody ever see uh, John Cleese doing Graham Chapman's eulogy? You ever see this? Go, when you get a chance to get on your computer next, go watch John Cleese eulogizing Graham Chapman when he died back in 88, something like that. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, so yes, John Cleese. Graham Chapman, eulogy, after he died. <laughs> yes, sir? Um, well, I was going to say it's probably a safe bet that everyone here is not only a big Battlestar fan, but a big sci-fi fan. I was wondering what maybe some of your favorites were, whether it be shows, films, cartoons even. Um, I loved Time Bandits when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I love Red Dwarf. My wife was an Anglophile, so anything from England was the greatest show ever. Uh, and she loved Red Dwarf and got me hooked on Red Dwarf. Uh, that Arnold Rimmer song is still in my head. He's Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Rimmer. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And apparently they're bringing it back or doing a movie or something. Yeah. Um, no, I'm a big... I'm not Will Wheaton geek, but I'm sort of like Will Wheaton light. I'm kind of like... Well, yeah, light. Um, L-I-T-E. Um, I grew up loving everything. I, I think uh, the great thing about uh, the, sort of the popcorn sci-fi stuff is it's just so turn your brain off. Uh, Battlestar's difficult to watch. You really got to follow it and, and figure out what's going on or be a complete idiot and just go, ooh, hot girls. <laughs> but I don't, think, I don't think that's anybody in this room, sir. <laughs> um, I always say that if a con ever exploded, the, the mean average IQ of the United States would drop a couple of points. It's the smartest people in America are either at Dragon Con, Comic Con, Wonder Con, whatever. Phoenix Comic Con, it's just a uh, room full of geniuses. It's great. Uh, I love sci-fi stuff. I absolutely love it. I think the biggest advances in, in uh, special effects and makeup and, and sound is, all comes from horror and sci-fi. And it just never gets the, the glory that it deserves. But, yeah, I'm a big, giant geek, too. I had all the Star Wars action figures. I'd line them up and shoot down stormtroopers with my elastic bands. <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah. The old Millennium Falcon. Remember, remember he had the, the, the Cylon Raider? When they first came out, you could shoot the laser, but it would actually shoot the thing. And then some kids started getting them in their eyes and, and they're down their throats and putting them in the dog and stuff. And so <laughs> after, then they revamped them, so they just go... And they move out like a half an inch. Oh, that's... No, I want the one that actually shoots. And then it'd go down the register. And for like a next... Every time the furnace would go on, my mom would be mad. What are you doing with that? Oh, come on! Furnace? Yeah. It's like an air conditioner, but the other way around. <laughs> Something that blows in your house. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't make me come down there. I'd like to see you get your fat ass off the couch. And go... <laughs> then you run. Ooh, is that dad turning down the stairs? Yes. Um... I'm not quite sure how to phrase this, but when you were on Stargate, SG-1, yep. um, were you, did you watch the show at all before? Did you enjoy being on it, other than just acting? Or? I had a ball being on it. I'd never seen it. Um, it, was, uh, it was the first thing I ever booked. It was the second thing I ever shot, but it was the first thing I ever booked. I booked Stargate SG-1 and a movie called Inspectors 2. Like, two days apart, and then we ended up shooting Inspectors 2 first, my first time on set. And then, uh, yeah, the Stargate SG-1, it was, I auditioned nine episodes in a row. And it would be like, he was great, but we're going with the Chinese guy. He was great, but we're going with the red-headed guy. He was great, but we're going with the girl. He was great, but we need somebody older, taller, thinner, skinnier. Just like, what? Come on! And then, uh, and then they gave me that one. It was, uh, it was a very cool thing. And then the second one, they edited an episode together and they had, it was short by like two minutes. So they just wrote a scene that they were shot and then they would just slide it in. And, uh, and so I remember going to the audition and, and there was a guy that was in the room before me was just like, it, it was screen, skin crawling bad acting. It was just so like, he's yelling. And he's going, ah, where's the child? Oh God, through the wall. Like, oh, I'm feeling so bad for him. I walk in and the director's just sitting there. She's just shocked. Oh, what just happened? And um, they said, do you have any questions? I said, no, I don't think so. And the director said, oh, can I just give you a little, um, you, you don't need to. And I said, yell? Yeah, I, uh, I heard, I heard. And he went, oh, okay. So I just said it as simply and calmly as I could. Very, you know, menacing. When you're really menacing, you just get really quiet. And uh, we got to the end of the audition. He just looked at me and went, thank you. <laughs> I got out, I got in my car, I was literally on the lot pulling away, and my agent called and said, yeah, uh, they want you to go back for a wardrobe, it's yours, so that was kind of the, that was a fun little thing. Do you have a question? I have several questions, actually. Oh, but, well, um, do is... tell. <laughs> What's your favorite Battlestar, blah, excuse me, what is your favorite Battlestar Galactica swear word? Um, uh, well, there's frack. Um, yeah, I would have to go. I mean, Richard Hatch wanted to work in. Uh, oh, Jesus. Oh, hello, cheeky. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Paul McGillian. <clears throat> oh, I love you. I hope you, hope you Irished up my coffee for me. <laughs> Maybe. Um, 
I'm going to let you tell the story because I always tell the story and then you give me crap. Has he told the story? I haven't told the story. We're at, uh, we're at our friend uh, Alistair. Uh, is this work? Yeah. We're at our friend Alistair Abel's wedding. And uh, Abel's a big voiceover guy. Uh, he, so he gets married and, and, uh, and Polly and I just say, hey, buddy, how's it going? What's going on? What's doing this? What's that? He tells me the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. And then so I pre- proceed. That's big pressure. For like now. five or six years. Well, I tell it better. Um, for, for the next five or six years, I'm telling this story at every con. And it becomes the thing. So when he goes to Australia, he goes, okay. Then somebody says, how did you get uh, Stargate? Goes, oh, I got a funny story. Aaron already told it. <laughs> and he, he steals my material. It's crazy. Uh, maybe you don't. I, I'm on Stargate Atlantis. Paul McGillian. How you guys doing? You good? Aaron's a very dear friend of mine. He was at my wedding uh, in October. And, uh, sorry, ladies. Um, and, uh, you know, we're... we're, we're and some gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> sorry, fellas. <laughs> and, uh, w- you know, we're talking. I take this. This is crazy. What's going on with this thing? For God's sakes. Um, so my character's Scottish on the show. And my, pe- my mom and dad are from Scotland, born in Scotland. I was born in Scotland. My, my dad's like almost 80. I'm one of seven kids, number six. And in the acting biz, I'm the only actor in the family. So when I start getting parts and stuff like that, my dad's like, what, you're an actor. What the hell are you doing? You're a teacher. I have a teaching degree. Teach for God's sakes. Forget the acting, man. And then I told him how much money I'd make. He goes, love the acting. Fantastic, man. Great stuff. I'm like, you know. So now I call up the phone. I say, how you doing, dad? How you doing, mom? Janet, it's Paul on the phone. Any gigs? That's what he says to me now, right? I'm like, actually, I got a part. I got, I got a part. Janet, Paul got a gig. Fantastic. What is it? I said, I'm playing a doctor. A doctor. Fantastic. Playing a doctor, Janet. A doctor. That's great. <laughs> um, wh- what is it? What is it? I said, it's a new show. It's a new show, Janet. It's on a new show. Great stuff, man. What is it? I said, it's Stargate. What? I said, Stargate. Star Trek. I said, no. Stargate. <laughs> Star Trek. No, Stargate. Star Trek. I know Stargate. Star Trek. I said, no, Stargate. Stargate Atlantis. He goes, it's not bloody Stargate. Star Trek. I've been watching it for years, man. I said, no, it's Stargate. I'm the one doing it. It's not. It's Star Trek. I said, it's Stargate. I'm the one doing the damn show. Don't raise your voice, you old man. Here's your mum. Janet, pause on the Star Trek. Are you in the Star Trek? Yes. Yes, I am. That's my family. <laughs> so I go to a convention and, you know, fans, can you tell us a story about the star? I go, it's a funny story about the star. I go, Aaron Douglas already told that story. I'm like, what the hell? He steals my stuff. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Love them anyway. Anyway, I just want to pop by, say hi, give my friend here a coffee. And uh, you guys enjoy your con. You having a good time? Is he being nice to you? Is he swearing a lot? Shocking. All right. All right, you guys take care. We're doing a panel together on Sunday. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow Sunday. Crazy Canadians. We're going to talk all things Canada. All right, love it. Thanks, buddy. Okay, take care. Paul McGillian, ladies and gentlemen. Star Trek. Stargate. Don't raise your voice, you old man. <laughs> I love it. Yes, Mom, I'm on the Star Trek.
Genius. Do you have more of your many plethora of questions? I have more. I do have more. Why do you have them written down? Because you stayed I up all night thinking these questions? Oh, Actually, I don't ask yes, them. I did. I had to do a whole bunch of research on you to be able just to moderate this panel, which I haven't really been doing. You had to do research on me? On you, yes. You don't just know me? Any one of these people could moderate this panel. <laughs> An evening with me and that guy. <laughs> all you have to do is get up and go, previously, on me. Um, Quickly, before I bash you some more. <laughs> LEO, L-E-O, is an acronym for law enforcement officer. Do you think that there is any coincidence that your character on the bridge, his last name was LEO? Wow, I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? I would ask those guys if I was still talking to them, but I'm not anymore, so no. That was pretty, that's a clever, that's a clever question, though. If I ever run into Craig, I'll ask him. Leo, law enforcement officer. Uh-oh. Look at that. That's a great outfit. Thank you. Yes. Please, seat yourself. <clears throat> yes, sir. Has Universal ever said anything about, like, a movie or any, any possible life in the future? The, uh, the problem with Battlestar Galactica, the movie, is Glenn Larson owns the rights to the movie. Universal bought TV rights only. So... Ron Moore is unfortunately not able to make a feature film. Otherwise, I think we probably would have made feature films. But I do know that they are working on Battlestar Galactica, the continuation with, um, was it Larson and, uh, oh gosh, that's his name, uh, Tom DeSanto and Brian Singer. Brian Singer was originally going to do this Battlestar, and they were just going to do a continuation. They weren't going to reimagine the whole thing. So they're... Yeah, they're already talking about doing it again, reimagining it again, which to me is a little weird. It's like, yeah, hey, I have my own take on Lord of the Rings. Let's do that. <laughs> That's a great idea. How you doing over there? You're great in Lord of the Rings, by the way. Sweeping in the Shire. Hey, I said sweeping. Um, any more questions? How much time do I have? Five minutes. Oh, perfect. Just enough time for... Okay. Hey. Uh, it's not really a question. I'll say one. when you find out how Callie died, that's awesome. Oh, thank you very much. When, when, I, when I get the, yeah. the little Indian girl and I take her down? Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of flack from women's groups who say that I'm promoting f violence against women. I have violence against bitches. <laughs> I don't know. That scene as written is... Hey, my eyes are up here. With the camera? Okay. Huh? There you go. There it is. Um... Da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. Uh... That scene as written is, um, pulls his hand out of the water, the ship kind of shakes, he accidentally bumps her and she falls from the upper balcony down below and dies. And I went, no, no, he's got to kill her, he has to. I said, when, uh, when we shot the, the episode where she punches Callie out the airlock, I said, you have to, the chief has to find this out and has to kill Tori, he has to. And Ron said, oh, that's a really good idea, what, do you, what would you do? And I said, just strangle her. I said, my idea was, 
She tries to convince him, you know, we got to go and we got to join the Cylons. We need to do this. And then he sort of looked like he's going to just kind of relax and go, oh, okay. And he pulls her in for a hug and just grabs her and goes, and snaps her neck and drop her to the ground. I thought that would be a very good sort of chief thing to do as he's slowly unwinding and losing his mind, <clears throat> which he kind of did. Um, so, uh, so Reimer said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I should just kill her. I think I should just turn her, pick her up by the head and just snap her neck and throw her down. And he went, and so we looked at Reka and, hey, Reka, what do you think? Yay, I like that. <laughs> so we worked it out, and we shot some of it, and then we went for lunch, and Reimer came to my trailer and said, now, I really need to talk to you, because I think that the fans, you know, they're really going to rebel against this. They're really going to find that this is gratuitous, and it just sort of, it's taking the chief in a direction that just makes him less lovable. And I said, they're going to love it. You're going to have people that come up and go, I loved it when you killed her. When you pulled your hand out and you just looked over at her, everybody went, oh, God, he's going to kill her. <laughs> and that's what you want to have happen. And, and so, um, so we shot it and, and uh, sent it off to L.A. And Ron watched it and loved it. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was very cool. It was a, I, I really liked that. It was very cool. One more story? One more story. Okay, one more story. Hey, can you come up here for a second, please? Yeah. Uh, I love this outfit. This is, um, you don't salute me, I work for a living. This is actually from the show. He bought it on the auction. Yeah. Um, so the only difference between this one and, and ours is this is a zip-up and ours are button-ups, but they go all the way down. And uh, this goes back to the boxer's briefs neither comment. Um, I quickly figured out <clears throat> that I need to wear something under those. And I'll <laughs> tell you how I figured that out. So what happens is the sound guys come and they take a... Uh, I, I can do it too, Polly. They, they run a wire. They put a pack on your boot and they run a wire up your leg. And they punch a hole back here and a hole through this. And then the wire would sit right there. Just a little tiny microphone. And that's your microphone. So the sound guy... <laughs> He goes, and I'm late getting to set. We're on the hangar deck. Everybody's there. Cast, crew, 100 extras, everybody. And uh, I always like to grab my, my uh, oranges and do the Superman. So I'm standing there. I'm talking to somebody. And they go, Aaron, you're late. We need to wire you. Okay. Aaron, you want to drop this down your leg? So he gives me the cable. And I go like, and he's down right here. <laughs> and he's, and he's, he's, um, he's putting the pack on my ankle. He's lifted up my pain. So I go, and then bonk. <laughs> And there's this moment of, I went, that shouldn't have hit something. That shouldn't have hit something warm and flesh-like. Uh-oh. So I'm standing there, I go, uh, and I keep talking, and now every, I feel all these eyes starting to turn me. And there's this, oh my God. And I look down, and Graham, the sound guy, is just like, <laughs> just like in utter disbelief. And I go, oh, shit. Like, start doing the thing. Eddie turns and he goes, Aaron Cold Cut, the sound guy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hi, folks. This is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at vtwproductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court, your three-hour break from Internet porn. <laughs>